The Lucid Visual Collaboration Suite makes it simple to get work done as a team, anytime, anywhere. Join over 30 million users and 99% of the Fortune 500 to see and build the future with LucidChart and LucidSpark. It all comes down to effective collaboration and communication. Brainstorm, plan your strategy, and diagram the details to get your next project across the finish line faster. With Lucid, it's easier than ever to turn ideas into reality. Welcome to the Product Podcast, brought to you by Product School. Here, you'll get fresh insight from the people at the very top of the tech companies who make the products we love. Remember, you can learn product management live online. Visit productschool.com to discover our new certificate path. There, you can also join the world's largest community of PMs and network with the leaders from these podcasts at our online events. There's something happening almost every day. Hi, everyone. I'm really excited to be here today and to talk to all of you about platform product management and how platform product management can really change what it's possible for a company to deliver and how they deliver the products they're working on. I lead the core platforms mission at the New York Times. I joined the New York Times last March, which gave me precisely six days in the office before we all went remote. So that was an interesting challenge. Um, Core platforms at the Times, we define as the set of platforms that really enable the business. So commerce, messaging, identity, and some others that I'll be talking about as we move further through this presentation. And these are all things that are underlying technologies that other teams build on top of. And they, they aren't technologies that our end users see. Prior to that, I spent 12 years at Google. The first four I spent in user experience and the last eight with a focus on internal tools and infrastructures as a product manager. It was an interesting transition to move from being a user experience lead to being someone who really focused on systems that often didn't have interfaces. So that was a big change, but it was an important one. I was faced with a problem. I was trying to solve a user experience problem and I thought it was gonna be easy. I thought it was gonna be straightforward, but the deeper I dug, the clearer it became that what really needed to happen to solve what seemed like a surface level problem was a real re-architecture of underlying technology and initiatives. And what I thought would be a quick and easy project ended up being a multi-year deep dive into infrastructure and underlying technologies to enable us to deliver. And it was fascinating. I learned a lot and it was really a different way of looking at a lot of, of the work I've been doing. So I came to the Times last year and I came in large part because of how excited I am about the mission and how important I see the journalism and our goals of seeking truth to help people understand the world. That's just exciting to me. And Times is obviously well-known, 130 Pulitzers, 7.8 million subscribers, and we're currently at a point where we have about 76 million readers each week who visit our site to consume and read our content. But we've got bigger ambitions than that. We have an addressable market of over 100 million curious people worldwide who we believe are willing to pay for the type of English language journalism that the Times produces. And we're very confident in our ability to penetrate a large portion of that market. So that's scaling, that's massive scaling. We need to be able to scale to be able to succeed and to meet our goals. 
Meeting our goals has required a lot of transformation over the years. Obviously, founded in 1851, we started as a print-only company. We went online and we had the online site, and then we had to really transition to a digital-first site where we were focused on digital as a way to scale our impact and bring in new readership. And that got us the first step of the way, but we realized we needed a more sustainable business model. And we moved to a subscription-first model. We believe we have content worth paying for and that we could run a subscription-based business and deliver content to those who are willing to pay and get the funding we need to continue to deliver fabulous content. It's really important to us to be able to keep doing that. As we move forward, we need to move beyond just the core news subscription and into news and news adjacent content. So think about some of the things you've already seen from the Times, cooking or games or wire cutter reviews. These are things that are adjacent and have similarity to news and what we're doing already, but may hit a different audience or may have different appeal or interrelationships. We're investing in our products to drive this growth and to drive this forward. We need great products. Nothing happens without great products. But we also have to invest ambitiously in platforms if we're going to be able to scale and actually deliver against all of these different products and all of this type of growth we're talking about. We believe if done right, platforms are what can enable the times to move faster and exponentially propel growth. We wanna be able to move fast. We wanna be able to experiment. We wanna be able to try things. We wanna be able to spin things up and down quickly and know if they work, all of that. And to do that, we need the right things in place that allow us to, to, to handle all of that quickly and easily. So let's talk a little bit about what defines platform product and what's different about product management in the platform space from what you normally think of. Most people, when they think of product management, start with zero to one product management or growth or engagement or these other areas that are about developing a product and bringing it to an end user. And that's amazing and, I've, and I'm so impressed with the work that the product managers in all of those spaces do on a day-to-day -day basis at the New York Times. That said, there's, there's other areas that really need to work for, for those products to end up being successful. So products, we really view them as serving end customers or in our case readers to solve a common need or common set of needs. So they're really what you see at the end of the day, what the company is known for, what's out there publicly. But in order to get those things out there, we need to serve our internal users and ship value, provide value to our internal users so they can ship value to the end users in a fast and cost-effective manner. Platforms, good platforms, transform what the journalists are able to do, what products and business teams are able to deliver by enabling faster delivery and by allowing for much more iteration with much less cross-organization coordination. It shouldn't require lots of back and forth between different organizations to be able to move things forward. One of the other things that's really unique about, inter about platform product management is you're not focused on the end users. You're focused on what I call the middle users the product delivery PMs, the engineers, the people who are doing that delivery work. 
they're important. They're the people whose needs you need to understand, who you have to really have a sense of, whose use cases you have to meet. But that isn't it. That isn't sufficient when you're working in platform. Platform PMs have to also anticipate how the company will evolve to meet end user needs and use this to prioritize platform investments. This is really important. If the platform teams build things that aren't relevant or useful to the, the, the middle users, the people who are building systems, then they won't get used, it won't move forward. Likewise, if they build things that don't enable those middle users to meet their goals for the end users, they still won't get used, even if they're solid in and of themselves. So platform teams, platform PMs really have to work on user empathy and really have to think through how they're going to show that, how they're going to do a two-tiered discovery process that allows them to understand both what those middle users need to deliver, but what the end users actually need when they consume the product, so you're able to move in the right direction. If a platform succeeds, the company can be nimble and the company can deliver net new value to its end users without incurring significant cost. And this is big. This is really the promise of platform. I'll talk very, very briefly. One of the things we're working on building out is an identity platform across our different systems, tools, et cetera, our different products. Over the years, as teams built and created new products, they often needed identity systems and built their own. It was the fastest, most effective way to get things out the door. They had things they needed to deliver and it was important and there wasn't clarity around anything else. So we've got lots of different systems. What we're doing now is trying to build a holistic identity platform that allows us to connect across all of our different products and allows all of our different products to build on top of it. This allows us to have a much better understanding of our relationship with, with our readers. And it also allows our, our middle users, our, our developers, to not have to continually reinvent the wheel. It gives us flexibility, it enables editorial, it enables so many different things, but we need to have a platform that everybody else can build on top of to be really successful with the rest of it. So let's talk about platform as internal product at the New York Times and why the Times is investing. We face common challenges in scaling. Our, our online presence, our, our site, our tools, our apps have grown really rapidly. And we've put a lot behind growing and, ex and expanding our, our reach, our products, what we do, how we do it. And to do that, we've done a lot of one-off work to get things out the door fast and to really, be really try things out and to build things that were appropriate at a smaller scale, but may not scale to the level we're at now. So we've got a lot of inconsistent systems, which means a lot of maintenance, a lot of rework. It's hard for engineers to move from one product to another because they have to learn new systems. So we've got a lot of inconsistency. We've also got some really old legacy systems that have a lot of complexity built in. And nobody was ever thinking, this far forward about the things that these systems would be supporting today when they were built. So we really need to take the time to figure out how to decompose those legacy systems and turn them into services that will really enable our users. 
if we do both of these things, it will become much, much easier to manage the dependencies across teams. That's definitely something that, that we see again and again. The more complex a system gets, the more interrelated the pieces get and the more the different teams have to work very, very closely together to be able to deliver something that they should each be able to run and deliver autonomously. So as I said, I run the core platforms mission and there are four key groups in that mission right now. There's a group that really works on productivity for content that gets delivered to our website and our apps and a variety of other things. And this really focuses on platform teams and feature development teams and letting them get things out the door without rewriting libraries, knowing what's gonna work and how it's going to work and really just speeding up how they can develop. We're building, uh, we're enabling a new commerce platform that will let all of the different teams make use of a common set of, of system and capabilities around things like payments, transactions, subscriptions, entitlement, who gets to see what, all of those things. And that hits a really wide variety of middle users from platform teams and, and feature teams, to even marketing teams and finance who needs to understand the information that's coming out of the commerce system. Our messaging platforms are how we communicate with our, our, our readers. Sometimes it's breaking news alerts. Sometimes it's some of the phenomenal newsletters the organization puts out. And sometimes it's as prosaic as your credit cards expired, please send us a new one. So we have to support all of these things. And this means that this supports editors and journalists, as well as the feature delivery teams and some of the marketing teams as well. So this covers a whole range of internal users, all of whom are trying to enable these end users, these readers at the end of the day. I've already talked a bit about the identity platform and how enabling an identity platform will let everybody else move faster and be able to rely on core components and core capabilities without having to rebuild their own and without having to struggle to share data because they've been managed separately and built separately. So across all of these platforms, we do have quite a number of shared principles. These help us understand what makes a successful platform. A platform needs to be self-service and needs to foster autonomy. If every time one of the teams that use one of my platforms has to come to my team and say, hey, I need you to build this. I need to build it into your roadmap. When can you deliver? When you deliver, I can make use of it. We're not gonna move very quickly. My roadmap is going to be out the window. They're going to be eternally waiting on me to deliver all of these standard problems that we're really, really trying to avoid. If the platform is self-service, then it's possible for teams to act in act autonomously and really just make use of the capabilities without needing the specific engineering team to be deeply involved. The platform is also composed of discrete services that can be used independently. We don't want every single person or every single product to have to make use of everything. We're talking about payments, maybe, sorry, we're talking about commerce, maybe one team wants to use payments, but doesn't need to use some of the other systems that other capabilities we've enabled. So that's really important is letting people pick and choose which pieces of the system that will help them and will help them move forward and not forcing them down a single path, which gets to point three, the platform needs to be flexible and not force users down a specific path. This is how you really make sure that 
people can do what they need to do and deliver what they need to do effectively. The platform is never going to succeed if it's not faster and cheaper than building on your own. The default is always going to be, I need to get this done, I'm going to build something. So you have to have something that is better than what the person can build or easier or faster, just takes that load off of them. Because if they can do it more easily than they can use your platform, they will. Platforms should also have security and compliance baked in. Instead of having every team to have to figure out the same security problems, by baking it into the platform, you're in much better shape. And likewise, some of the compliance work we've done, some privacy work, that can be much more centrally managed if it's baked into our platforms, as opposed to having to track down every team in the company when a privacy law changes or something else changes and it requires us to change our compliance posture. And lastly, platform has to be intuitive to use and enable simple onboarding. This is sort of back to point four. If it's not easy to use, if people don't want to use it, they're not gonna use it. So they're gonna build their own. So this is kind of core product management designed for your users, make sure they understand and can use the system. Otherwise you're, you're just not gonna be successful. A platform fundamentally works when it is easier and faster to make use of the platform and the capabilities the platform provides than it is to build and maintain something bespoke. As soon as it's, as soon as it's gonna be easier to build your own thing, people are gonna build their own things. You have to be the path of least resistance, the way people can work fastest and get the most done. That is the most important thing. You're designing for the middle users to make their lives easy so they in turn can design for the readers. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about some of what we've been going through to try and build a platform organization. Platform product management skills are very similar. I mean, we're really still focused on user journeys, on delighting the user, on what we need to deliver, how we need to deliver it. Those things are, are all you know, roadmap prioritization. Those are all just basic product management skills. What's different is we're focusing on changing what's possible. We're focusing on changing what in many cases are, is the context of the organization. The number of limits that are built in because of underlying infrastructure and systems are often significant and often aren't even noticed anymore. So understanding what the gaps are, understanding where the current setup really blocks moving forward and figuring out how to change what is even possible to think about moving forward. That's really key. You also need to enable the builders. Your focus, your focus is shifting from, in our case, the readers, the people who are building for those readers and make sure you know what they need. Treat them the way you would treat other end users, do product discovery, understand, talk to them. I mean, one advantage about internal product development and platform product management, you know where to find your users. But of course, that also means they know where to find you and you will get feedback. So be ready for it, listen to it, make use of it. It's, it's one of the biggest advantages you have in working in this space is you've got such clear and straightforward access to your users. Also really focus on avoiding common pitfalls. Internal systems often are ad hoc, they're siloed, they're, let's get this out the door, what do we need to do? This leads to a really poor user experience. And you really want to be careful to keep in mind that you need a single customer journey for the people who are doing the development. They shouldn't have to be jumping through 
dealing with all of these pitfalls, all of this difficulty, all of this terrible user experience. Your job as a platform product manager is to make that work. Platform PMs also have to be prepared to deliver and communicate value because it's a newer space and people don't always understand immediately why there need to be platform PMs. You need to show leadership how investing in platform PM will bring value over time and how it will support long-term acceleration in business goals. And you need to convince engineers that platform product managers are going to make their lives easier. They're not going to get in the way. They're not going to take away the fun stuff. They're not going to take away the architectural decision, but they're going to enable them to scale their successes. For the managing up and the business metrics piece, you really need to focus on how you're providing value and connect it all the way through to the business metrics. So you've got to partner with those middle users to prove value. It's much easier for front end system to say, I've got this many weekly average users or other sort of standard KPIs, whereas a system that enables another system to build is less straightforward in terms of measuring. But you can take that credit, you can share credit, you can prove value. Uh, an example is our messaging platforms rolled out some experimental frameworks earlier this year. And then another team built on top of them and were able to get some real wins by building on top of them and by really focusing on what the experiment showed and delivering against that. They get full credit and kudos and everything for all the work they do, but we need to take credit as well because if we hadn't done our work, they couldn't have done their work. So we all need to take credit. We all need to share credit. There's enough to go around. One of the ways to help convince your engineers is PMs have alignment superpowers. This is what we do. We work across everyone and figure out what needs to happen and pull it all together. Most engineers, and there are always exceptions, but most engineers don't want to sit in all of the meetings and figure out what all the pieces are, how they all interact across marketing and sales and ops and feature teams and compliance and just the whole array of groups that need to get involved. So one of the ways to help convince your platform engineers is to just talk to them and show them how you can take a lot of this off their plate and help them understand the core of what they need to be engineering instead of dealing with the organization and how to get to what needs to happen. I'm gonna wrap it up today with some advice to platform PMs and future platform PMs. I've talked about some of the differences of platform PMs, but remember platforms are products. You have to delight and engage your users. You're gonna need the same processes, the same discovery, the same deliverables, the same frameworks and rationales to work through the details of what you should be doing. Don't, don't forget that. You're gonna to need to market. You're gonna to need to market to your internal audiences. It's a different form of marketing, but if you don't convince people to use your systems, they won't and, and it will fail. Once you get people excited, empower them to bring other people along to help to really move things forward. Be sure people can get on board and use your systems well, quickly and easily. If it's hard to get on board, they'll build their own. That's always where things come back to. If you make things difficult, they'll build their own. And that's exactly what you're trying to avoid. Uh, deprecation is key. When you let tech debt accumulate, when you let systems have too much get bolted on over time, when you let things just continue to, to grow, you end up really with 
a lot of overhead and it makes it really hard to be successful. And you spend more and more of your time on maintenance. And this isn't what anyone wants to do. And this isn't a way to be successful. So you need to build that into the process. You need to stay on top of things. You need to be deprecating things as, as, as necessary. I'm always excited when we can deprecate something. And lastly, you need to be sure you've got the right observability and transparency, and that if something goes wrong, you know what it is, you can say what it is, you can fix it. If you haven't built in observability, you're going to struggle with, with credibility. You need to be able to be credible, and people need to know that not only are you the fastest and easiest way to get things done, but the work you do is reliable, and they can count on it. So those are some overall tips and, and tricks for Platform PM. I love the Platform PM space. I've been really enjoying enabling and looking at how much we can get done and how much we can change things. So I've had a great time. Um, thank you everyone for, for listening to this. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, we are hiring at the Times so if people are looking to, to try out Platform PM work. So with that, I will just say thank you. The Lucid Visual Collaboration Suite makes it simple to get work done as a team, anytime, anywhere. Join over 30 million users and 99% of the Fortune 500 to see and build the future with LucidChart and LucidSpark. It all comes down to effective collaboration and communication. Brainstorm, plan your strategy, and diagram the details to get your next project across the finish line faster. With Lucid, it's easier than ever to turn ideas into reality. Thank you for listening to the product podcast. If you like this episode, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. For more product insights, head over to productschool.com.